You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. And now a word from our sponsor, Netscope. Netscope is a worldwide leader in SASE and Zero Trust. Its unified platform, Netscope One, provides optimized access and zero trust security for people, devices, and data anywhere they go, helping customers reduce risk, accelerate performance, and get unrivaled visibility into any cloud, web, and private application activity. To learn more about how Netscope helps customers be ready for anything on their sassy journey, visit netskope.com. An update on cyber operations in the hybrid war, NPM compromise updates, free decryptors for AstraLocker and Yashma ransomware, Johannes Ulrich from SANS on attacks against perimeter security devices. Our guest is Sonali Shah from Invicti Security with a look at DevSecOps anxiety. And who's the villain who hijacked the Instagram account of Disneyland? From the CyberWire studios at Data Tribe, I'm Dave Bittner with your CyberWire summary for Friday, July 8th, 2022. Operational pause or not, Russia's hybrid war seems to be as far from any quick resolution as ever. Russia's President Putin said yesterday during a meeting with senior leaders of the Duma that he had no intention of backing down from his own maximalist goals and that Ukraine's only option was to accede to all of Russia's demands. And any Ukrainian hope of battlefield victory is a phantasm because Russia's been pulling its punches so far. He said, everyone should know that, by and large, we haven't started anything yet in earnest. IBM researchers recently discovered that the TrickBot gang has been active against Ukrainian targets since Russia's war began, and that it's been acting directly in the Russian interest. So TrickBot and similar gangs have been acting as privateers under state direction. Since TrickBot cut its criminal teeth on financial crime, especially banking Trojans, the financial sector ought to be on particular alert for any spillover from Russian privateering, SC Magazine speaks with various industry experts who advise financial institutions to keep their shields up. Researchers at Reversing Labs detailed their discovery of a widespread supply chain attack against the NPM repository earlier this week, publishing an update on Wednesday. Though the exact scope of the attack wasn't initially clear, researchers say the packages are potentially used by thousands of mobile and desktop applications and websites and in one instance, a malicious package had been downloaded over 17,000 times. Reversing Labs called the campaign Icon Burst. Their conclusion is that Icon Burst represents a major software supply chain attack involving more than two dozen NPM modules used by thousands of downstream applications, as indicated by the package download counts. Application developers should be particularly alert to the problem which appears to represent an organized cooperative criminal effort. 
Analysis of the modules reveals evidence of coordination with malicious modules traceable to a small number of NPM publishers and consistent patterns in supporting infrastructure such as exfiltration domains. Reversing Labs says Icon Burst marks a significant escalation in software supply chain attacks. The firm communicated its findings to the NPM security team on July 1st of 2022. Developers, Reversing Labs says, should assess their own exposure to the threat, and the researchers have provided information that should assist them in doing so. There's been another attack on the NPM supply chain, this one described by researchers at Checkmarks. They say, Checkmarks SCS team detected over 1,200 NPM packages released to the registry by over 1,000 different user accounts. This was done using automation, which include the ability to bypass NPM 2FA challenge. The operators, whom the researchers call CuteBoy, were using what Checkmarks calls a fake identity as a service provider. They say, Looking at the domains with which CuteBoy is creating NPM users, we can deduce that they are using Mail.tm, a free service providing disposable email addresses with REST API, enabling programs to open disposable mailboxes and read the received emails sent to them with a simple API call. This way, CuteBoy can easily defeat NPM 2FA Challenge when creating a user account. So far, the operation seems to represent an initial experimental phase of a larger campaign. The researchers say this cluster of packages seems to be a part of an attacker experimenting at this point. The researchers think that CuteBoy is preparing a large-scale cryptojacking campaign using XM rig derivatives. Checkmarks has also released information to help users identify the malicious activity. They also warn that further exploitation of NPM can be expected. They say, CuteBoy is the second attack group seen this year using automation to launch large-scale attacks on NPM. We expect we will continue to see more of these attacks as the barrier to launch them is getting lower. CISA, the U.S. Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, released three industrial control system advisories yesterday. Bravo to MSysoft. The company has released free decryptors for the AstraLocker and Yamsha ransomware strains, Bleeping Computer reports. MSysoft tweeted, The AstraLocker decryptor is for the Babic-based one using .astra or .babic extension, and they released a total of eight keys. The Yashma decryptor is for the Chaos-based one using .astralocker or a random extension, and they released a total of three keys. Bleeping Computer points out that AstraLocker, itself derived from Babak Locker, has gained a reputation for being both buggy and effective. The operators of AstraLocker earlier this week released some decryptors as they announced they were exiting the ransomware business, saying that they had decided to turn to crypto mining. They were probably kidding about getting into coin mining, not only did they close their announcement with an LOL, but there's also some reason to think they were feeling the approach of law enforcement. The Wall Street Journal reports that the Instagram account of Disneyland Resort was briefly hijacked yesterday morning by someone who identified himself as David Dew and proclaimed himself a super hacker. Mr. Dew acted with apparently trivial motives— 
He had some sort of beef with someone called Jerome, according to the independent fan site The Disney Blog, and he wanted to air that through his hack. He was also disgruntled about some Disney employees, saying he was here to bring revenge upon Disneyland. Mr. Dew posted a selfie and said he was tired of all these Disney employees mocking me. The journal says the posts were both profane and racist, and it quotes a Disney representative as saying, We worked quickly to remove the reprehensible content, secure our accounts, and our security teams are conducting an investigation. We received comments from Arctic Wolf's VP of Strategy, Ian McShane, who thinks the incident shows that cybercriminals are often motivated by concerns that are neither monetary nor political. He wrote, Many are keen to just inflict reputational damage. High-traffic, high-follower accounts will always be a target for threat actors, both sophisticated and the occasional rogue low-level amateur. It's not yet known how David Dew gained access to the accounts, but McShane noted that compromises of this nature are almost certainly rooted in a phishing or credential-stuffing incident. And of course, the motivation of the attacker needn't be serious or even rational. Just ask Mr. Dew wherever he may be. Every day, your IAM tech debt grows. Your multi-generational services struggle to work together. Building an identity fabric can fix this. It makes all your identity tooling stronger and allows you to connect any app to any service you want to use with zero coding, zero maintenance, and zero app downtime. Strata's identity orchestration platform separates the identity logic from your applications so you can optimize existing IAM tools and manage them in a single control plane. Now, every vendor, standard, and architecture work together. In short, building your identity fabric means you can secure your non-standard apps, keep your complex access policies, retire outdated IDPs, and modernize in record time. So build your fabric with Strata Identity and get rid of tech debt for good. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your identity priorities, and receive a pair of AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations over 5,000 employees. Connect today at strata.io slash cyberwire. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. If you feel as though you and your colleagues in cybersecurity are stretched thin, being asked to do more with less, and facing increased anxiety as a result, you're not alone. In a recent report published by Invicti Security, focusing on DevSecOps professionals, they found the high expectations placed on security pros sometimes leads to diminishing returns. Sonali Shah is Chief Product Officer at Invicti Security. 
this is a very stressful job, right? So, you know, 39% of data breaches stem from attacks on web applications. So it's no surprise that that is more and more uh, of a focus for enterprises. And it's, you know, often it's on-the-job training for, for developers. So, you know, some of the key things that we found is, on average, people were spending four hours a day addressing security issues. That's a lot of time. On top of that time, developers also have to release code based on internal timelines, right? So you can imagine the stress this puts on it. Releases, it, it ends up causing overtime. Um, you know, we had 50% of the respondents say they logged in over weekends or on their own time in the evening uh, to work on security-related issues. One in three blew off, you know, date night or a night out with friends. And in the time of COVID, when it's, I think, hard enough to find dates, like this is particularly relevant. Um, and then even, you know, once, even after they've spent all the hours remediating issues, there's that anxiety of the next one. So we found 81% of professionals, that they're likely to, they're already feeling anxious about the next vulnerability, even just after they finished remediating the last one. Is there a sense uh, for the ways and which this is affecting their ability to put out the quality work that is expected of them. Absolutely, it is. It is. Um, you know, we found often developers are releasing insecure code. And it's not because they want to. It's because there's pressure to release code. It's because maybe they don't have the training to do so. So that is absolutely happening. And we witness it every day when you hear about the, the breaches uh, but what's really interesting is that they, in general, are very proud of their work. So 94% of the respondents said that digital transformation and the move to a remote work model in the recent years has made their role more valuable and rewarding. 88% said they're proud to put cybersecurity professional on a dating profile. And, you know, majority of them felt like they're saving their companies over a million dollars a year by the work they're doing to prevent data breaches. So, you know, it's it's frustrating, it's draining, but they're proud of the work they're doing. What is the, the sense of the relationship they have with their companies? In, in other words, do they feel as though the companies are, are doing their best to support them or, or is there a gap there? There is a gap and I see that every day when I'm talking to our customers. Um, I think, you know, the, the gap is not in acknowledgement right? So security teams know that development teams are overworked. They know that they often don't have enough people, that often they don't have the skills, right? So if you go to, you know, go to university and study uh, coding, you're often, you'll go through four years and never take a class on how to securely build code. So there's absolutely um, agreement and acknowledgement that this is a difficult job to do. And in some cases, companies are able to support their developers, so they feel like it's a journey they're taking together. In other cases, it causes friction, and you know you see turnover. It's it's a relatively strong job market, and so what we've seen is that companies that uh, help their developers and help security professionals to weave security into their daily lives, that really helps retain people and improve job satisfaction. I see the benefits of uh, of having automation help lift some of the workload off, off of these people. 
What about the the purely human side of it? You know the, that that you're checking in on folks, making sure that they're you know the people are are hanging in there and doing the best they can. It seems it strikes me particularly as so many of us have moved to remote work. Uh, that's as important as ever. You're absolutely right. It, it's moving from you know just development to sort of DevSecOps practices is as much a technology change as it is a culture change. Right. So the the automation integrating all of your products together, making sure you've got accuracy, that's the technology part. The people part of it is making sure people have the resources. Developers and security teams have the resources they need. So, you know, that's part of what I was just talking about, the, the Security Champions Program. So if developers mm-hmm. know that they've got somebody, one of their own often that they can go to for help, that is, that's hugely beneficial. Somebody that is, you know, working on their time zone, speaks their language. You know, when it's interesting, one of the customers I recently spoke to said that they, you know, they launched a security champions program earlier this year, and they were surprised at how many developers wanted to be a part of it. And partially that's because, you know, having the word security anywhere on your resume is a huge plus. Because developers, are, they understand they need to learn about security and they want to learn about security. So I think having those um, support mechanisms is hugely helpful. The other thing, actually, that I've seen very rarely, but I have seen it be very beneficial, is to build security into quarterly business objectives. So instead of just saying, all right, the the you know quarterly objective for the you know product engineering is to release this feature on time if you have in there it's release it as expected on time and with no high severity vulnerabilities right you build it right into there so it just becomes part of the objectives and then you recognize it you call it out so you're you're rewarding people not just for delivering a new feature but delivering it with high quality, which means it does what it's supposed to do, and it and it is uh, secure. That's Sonali Shah from Invicti Security. There's a lot more to this conversation. If you want to hear more, head on over to CyberWire Pro and sign up for Interview Selects, where you'll get access to this and many more extended interviews. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com slash cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber. And I'm pleased to be joined once again by Johannes Ulrich. He is the Dean of Research at the SANS Technology Institute and also the host of the ISC Stormcast podcast. Johannes, always great to welcome you back to the show. Uh, You know, I I think as we've made our way through the pandemic and there's been this massive uh, 
move to folks working off-site. There's this notion that perimeter security is a thing of the past, but you want to make the point today, well, maybe not so fast. Correct. And particular devices that we're using uh, to implement uh, those security controls, like load balancers, firewalls, uh, various proxy systems or such that we are using, probably one of the lines that I repeat the most is, well, you know, why is this connected to the internet in the first place? And that usually refers to not just nuclear power plants and elevators and door controls, but also things like admin interfaces for these perimeter security devices. So you spend a lot of money uh, buying a device like this, protecting your users from attacks, but then you're opening up the management interface that's used to control that device to the world, and sadly that's then being exploited. And is, I mean, that primarily a matter of convenience for the users to be able to reconfigure things and not have to be you know, on-premises to do so? Uh, yeah, that's often the reason uh, because, uh, you know, if it is your VPN concentrator that you're configuring here, you don't want to have to connect to the VPN first because if you're messing up with your configuration, uh, then you can't connect to the VPN anymore. And then, you know, you have to get pants and uh, drive to the office and all of that stuff uh, to uh, to actually uh, get this thing working. And I think that's part of it. Of course, you could still filter by IP address. Another part is once you deploy them in the cloud, it's really hard to drive to the cloud and uh, mm. restart things. Uh, so uh, that's uh, where this sometimes happens. And then also, I think uh, the perception that, hey, this is an expensive device that I purchased. The vendor probably took some care here. As they say, don't look behind the curtain. Uh, you often find a <laughs> scaffolding of Perl and PHP code here uh, in your you know, tens of thousand dollar devices that probably hasn't been touched in the last 10 years. And we have seen like, you know, just the last month, uh, F5's big IP appliance again. Uh, they sort of have sort of an annual schedule where they come up with a critical unauthenticated remote control, remote code execution vulnerability. Yet again, uh, had one. It took two days for a proof of concept to be released. Then, as I sort of put it, it took like one week from zero day to Mirai. So in the end, the Mirai bot just took the vulnerability. And of course, once it at that, it's at that point, you can assume every exposed device out there has been probably exploited multiple times. Hmm. So what are your recommendations then? Definitely secure those admin interfaces. Secure devices are not inherently secure. Uh, it's sad, but that's just a matter of fact. So defense in depth. Yes, you know, uh, limiting access to the admin interface to a couple of IP addresses, attackers can bypass that, but it'll maybe take them another week to do that. So you have that first week to actually apply patches and then learn how to patch these devices. It's not always easy to patch these uh, devices. Learn how to do it. Do it regularly. Don't just do it uh, when there's an emergency out there. Because the other problem is vendors release patches like on a monthly basis or whatever. You may ignore them because they don't really fix any big security issues. And last time you applied a patch, it caused some problem. But the issue is if you're waiting too long, then the probability of a problem becomes larger and larger. And also usually the impact of that problem becomes larger and larger because now you have not... Just one problem, you have like 12 problems because mm -hmm. you have to deal with every single patch's problem. So really updating regularly, learning how to patch, having some procedure around it. So 
you can sort of press that button kind of uh, when an emergency patch comes around to apply the patch. You don't really have to make it a big deal and spend a lot of time on it. Yeah. All right. Well, good advice as always. Johannes Ulrich, thanks for joining us. And that's the Cyberwire. For links to all of today's stories, check out our daily briefing at thecyberwire.com. Be sure to check out this weekend's Research Saturday and my conversation with Alden Wallstrom from Mandiant's Information Operations team. We're discussing their comprehensive overview and analysis of the various information operation activities they've seen while responding to the Russian invasion. That's Research Saturday. Check it out. The CyberWire podcast is proudly produced in Maryland out of the startup studios of Data Tribe, where they're co-building the next generation of cybersecurity teams and technologies. Our amazing CyberWire team is Liz Irvin, Elliot Peltzman, Trey Hester, Brandon Karf, Eliana White, Peru Prakash, Justin Sabi, Rachel Gelfin, Tim Nodar, Joe Kerrigan, Harold Terrio, Ben Yellen, Nick Vilecki, Gina Johnson, Bennett Moe, Chris Russell, John Petrick, Jennifer Iben, Rick Howard, Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here next week. Hi, everybody. It's Maria Varmazas here, your host over at T-Minus Space Daily, and sometimes a guest on Hacking Humans, too. We here at N2K CyberWire work hard to bring you concise, intelligence-driven news and commentary, and we'd like to know how we're doing. Please take a few minutes to complete our audience survey and share your feedback to help us continue to grow and meet your needs. Visit cyberwire.com survey. That's cyberwire.com survey to get started. Thanks so much for your input as we reach for the stars. It means the universe to us. And now a word from our sponsor, Zscaler, the leader in cloud security. Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations. In a security landscape where you must fight AI with AI, the best AI protection comes from having the best data. Zscaler has extended its zero-trust architecture with powerful AI engines that are trained and tuned by 500 trillion daily signals. Learn more about Zscaler Zero Trust plus AI to prevent ransomware and AI attacks. Experience your world secured. Visit zscaler.com slash zero trust AI.